This is Dubai Eye 103.8. Navigating the legal minefield. That's right. Oh, and it's not me that's going to be doing that. We've got an expert in the studio. Ludmilla Malava is the founder and managing partner of the Malava Pluka, actively managing and practicing since 2009. She is a US qualified attorney, licensed by the State Bar of California. And, well, I'm not going to say how many years of experience, but... Don't, please. <laughs> I'm forever young. But lots. And innocent. <laughs> Prior to moving to Dubai and setting up her practice, she was the Associate General Counsel of a Nasdaq-listed company in Silicon Valley. Any questions for her from relationships to residency, uh, setting up businesses to getting out of businesses, get in touch. How are you, Miller? Very well, thank you, and good to see you. I was just saying you look really well-rested, and it's because baby is sleeping. I know. Sleep is king. Truly. Such a game changer. I was just listening um, to something over the weekend and it was talking about how much money the fitness and beauty and food industries are worth compared to the sleep industry. Because actually sleep is quite a boring industry and no one's no one's really so no one's real interest apart from the occasional bed maker to to promote sleep. But it's just so key to everything. Nothing else makes you look better and feel better than than sleep, just uninterrupted sleep, even oh. if it's just one hour. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what a blessing. Oh, those early days. And <laughs> um, what's new with you? What's coming into, uh, into your office? What's popular in the world of law? Well, always employment is a, is a hot topic, uh, both on from the perspective of employers or companies and employees. Uh, and um, company setups and restructuring is also another hot topic. Uh, lately, we've uh, seen a number of questions related to DFC wills or wills in general, inheritance and uh, uh, divorces and marriages. And uh, Prenup, prenups as well. Prenups, yes, indeed. And this is a very interesting subject, especially in this jurisdiction. Real estate is always a hot topic, just like employment. Um, and um, just general, com- interestingly enough, we've seen a number of requests for just contract drafting. And these are from sort of small and mid-sized businesses who are starting to uh, to um, perhaps clean up their current practices mm-hmm. and Look introduce better practices and, and better contracts. Uh, Raul is saying, I was working with a company for five years before leaving in December. Company had been struggling financially and most of the employees either resigned or had their contracts terminated. I was getting half my salary for six months until I found a new job. My old company still hasn't paid the overdue wages or my end of service benefits. I know they're struggling, but of course I want to get what I'm owed. What's the best way about getting it? Well, so the best way to to get it, obviously, if you can amicably agree with them, even for perhaps partial settlement, then that would be in your best interest, given the company's current financial situation. If you're not able to achieve an amicable settlement, your only other recourse is actually filing a case with the labor court. And that's really the only way you can you can put pressure on the company unless obviously they they, um, amicably decide to, to pay you something else. And so once, but the, I caution you to pursue a formal legal action against the company, uh, which you know already is struggling financially, because uh, as is any kind of litigation anywhere in the world, it takes time and it does cost money, though for employment cases, you can uh, handle them yourselves uh, and just with uh, using a court translator. So it is possible to do so. So financially may not be as expensive, but it's still quite time consuming. And and if and if you don't know the court system here, it it, it is challenging and a bit um, overwhelming. Especially uh, if you're in a new job and you're having to take off time. Exactly right. And 
so and if you are doing it yourself you can't designate anybody else to appear on your behalf so mm-hmm. you have to be available uh, to appear before the court every so often so and if you and even if you have a court judgment in your favor which in this case you would be because obviously you're in the right and the company's in the wrong you will have to enforce it against the company and if they don't have any resources you're basically at the same place where you are right now that's why I started so, with so advice of just if I would say if you know the company's still around and they have some funds it would be better for you to accept, accept perhaps a partial settlement if they're open to it. So I'd start with that. So it's not a case of even if you're right and there's still no money in the pot, there's not an insurance against gratuity or or money's owing? It's a great question. No, there is no such thing, at least not commonly, perhaps maybe. If, if you took an insurance, and that's not a very common mechanism or tool that we've seen used in the UAE, uh, but it's certainly if you have insurance against unemployment, that could be an interesting way to... to uh, claim some kind of coverage, but given your situation and that it's it's just it's a partial salary that you have not, you have not been paid, I would say unfortunately just uh, just brace yourself and manage your expectations so and may just be better. But again, it's the company if 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 they are still around, they might be able to pay at least part mm-hmm. uh, part of the settlement. Hope that helps, Rahul. Do keep us posted. Speaking of prenups, no name on this one. And as we are discussing legal issues and sometimes personal issues, don't feel like you need to put your name on it. Uh, No name asking, I'm getting married soon. Although I love and trust my fiancé, I would like for us to arrange a prenup so that my assets are protected in case of the worst case scenario. How can I go about this? Well, much depends on uh, what um, type of marriage you have. So if it's a Muslim marriage, then that's a different way of of, uh, treatment in the event of divorce. And if it's a non-Muslim marriage, then uh, yes, a prenup, you you could have a prenup and um, lay out all your your sort of segregation of interests. But uh, let me just kind of cover this perhaps does not necessarily apply to Muslim marriages, but I'll cover that briefly. In in the Muslim marriages, basically every party walks away with their assets. There is no division of assets. So if it is a Muslim marriage, then you don't even really need to consider prenup because it's fairly simple as if if, uh, assets are in your name, they remain in your name and vice versa. If it's a non-Muslim marriage, then yes, definitely have a a prenup agreement if you can, though it's always a very very sensitive subject. Uh, But also be aware that it is possible for non-Muslim marriages to actually be uh, be, uh, I guess, sort of terminated under Sharia. And if you do terminate marriage under Sharia, then once again, whatever assets are yours, they remain to be yours and vice and, and whatever and your partners. Uh, so there is no presumption of a division of assets here as it may be the case in other jurisdictions. Uh, that being said, prenup agreement is, is definitely very, is highly advisable for a number of reasons. And and as long as it does not contradict the laws of your country, whatever that country may be, and this is a very challenging t- topic because let's mm. face it, there are so many families here where partners come from different yeah. jurisdictions and they get married at yet another jurisdiction and their children <laughs> and perhaps I'll- carry passports of yet <laughs> a fourth jurisdiction. Uh, so it all depends on where this, or the, which, the, the subject or the laws that apply to the marriage. So make sure the prenup agreement is not ultimately uh, contrary to you know, the, the laws of your country so that it I mean, perhaps in the in the future it can be contested on that basis. But otherwise, yes, absolutely, it's possible. So if you can convince your fiancé to be or husband to be, then do so. Setting the record straight. Ludmilla Malava is the woman doing that this afternoon. She is the managing partner and founder of Yamalaga Pluka um, and is here to answer your questions about all things legal. Right. Lots of questions coming in. Are you ready for a quick fire round? Absolutely. Ali's saying, I would really like to know Ludmilla's opinion on the ethics of costly justice. Well, it's an interesting question. And I will tell you, justice is is costly all over the world. 
And that's unfortunately, that's that sort of, I guess, fact of life. Uh, and here, I think why people feel the pinch of cost of justice more so than perhaps um, they they think would cost. I mean, other countries is because a lot of the cases actually do go to court mm-hmm. and go all the way through the the various which stages isn't as of common court. in the rest of the world. Yeah, so it's in other in other parts of the world, usually it's the other way around. So the majority of the cases get settled, and therefore makes it cheaper. And here it's the other way around. Most cases actually do go through the entire process, and then. Uh, much fewer are settled. So that makes it much more costly because of it. And is there less or no pro bono work in the UA, whereas there'd be more elsewhere? There is there's much less pro bono work here. There have been a number of initiatives coming from different courts and different jurisdictions uh, um, offering or incentivizing pro bono cases or pro bono practices, but they're still quite limited. Right. Let's get to more questions. No name on this one saying, I've been retrenched and my company will not pay my bonus, even though I've worked a full year. It's in my letter of appointment, but not in the employment contract. Am I entitled to the bonus, i.e. can it be enforced? In short, yes. And this is because the bonus is considered as um, salary uh, by the local courts. And this is this is irrespective of what potential underlying contracts uh, may provide. In other words, it's quite typical to see bonus contracts or bonus or documents related to bonus bonuses that clearly set the, uh, the the date or the timing for paying bonuses for a particular time during the year, for example, for the company. Mm-hmm. But the courts do not enforce those documents because at the end of the day, the courts look at it. It's, if it's a bonus, it is something that you earned. And therefore, you're entitled to what you earned irrespective of what the underlying document says. So absolutely, it's enforceable. So is it a case of go to HR or go to a lawyer? Well, HR first should always be HR because going to a lawyer will cost you money and going to court will cost you even more money. Uh, And so it's perhaps a a matter of educating HR. Uh, And if you can't do that, then that could be um, that your problem could be solved. But be be prepared, because in most cases, even if HR are uh, so the teams are starting to learn what the law is, they're afraid of the precedent that it sets. So these kinds of decisions are often not as um, as eagerly, I guess, met um, as. Um, one would expect uh, if you know, knowing the law. But um, anyway, it's you, you should definitely start there. Ludmilla, questions galore for you. Let's get to Amit. Um, he was asking about in property, uh, saying, I bought an off-plan property a few years ago in a development that was just about to start being built. It was recently completed, but my apartment in the building is around 5% smaller than what I had paid for. Am I therefore entitled to 5% of my money back? Well, the 5% is a very important uh, part of uh, the query here is because if it is more than 5%, then you might be entitled to. But if it's less, you're not. Because there is a law that specifically regulates the discrepancy in property size uh, above and below 5%. So it's if within that margin, Ooh. then uh, you're not entitled to anything. If it's over that margin, then you will be. Uh, so Spend there it is. So, the want, so my, that, my advice yeah. is you want to to hire a surveyor, a proper, properly qualified surveyor, and um, and determine exactly how much small the property is. Because yeah, if, don't go off their measurements because they've got a different interest to well, you. Absolutely, that's right. And so, and often if we've had cases where uh, properties were 15 plus percent smaller than in that case, yes, you are entitled to, I guess, to, sort of the difference, to the difference. But in many cases, also, if, if the difference is big enough or significant enough, then you're also entitled to rec- rescission of contract. Because let's say if you bought a property and you wanted to serve one function, and if it's 25% below what you yeah, ordered, it you, it's, you don't want the compensation for that 25%, you just yeah. don't want the property. And so that is material enough for the court to actually rescind contracts. Okay, I hope that helps. I'm so yeah, get your tape measure out. Um, a question here is saying, what 
does the law say regarding my startup business while I'm employed and my employer is my visa sponsor? I will ultimately have my own, but for the starting phase, I need my current work salary and visa. Sure. Well, this the law the law has changed recently with regards to the particular queer, and that is in the past you could not really work for anyone else other than you're a sponsor. Uh, as of last year, now it is possible to work for someone other than your sponsor without the approval of the sponsor. So this is something that obviously would sort of qualify as, if you will, as a freelance type. What if or, it's competing businesses? Yes, and that's with, with that caveat. Obviously, if it is a competing business to the one that you are working for now, then, um, then that um, would not be proper and legal on a number of, of levels and in particular it's besides sort of the employment law it's you're you're kind of you're I guess playing with penal code or, pen, or criminal law because you can potentially be accused of stealing or breaching uh, confidentiality and breaching a trust of your current employer and breach of trust here is a criminal offense so therefore as long as if it is a competing business it's 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 not about whether you can work uh, while you're you know, for for this business while you're working for them, uh, but it's more about what are you doing with your new business and how it potentially can be breaching the current confidences and trust of your current employer. Also, don't get caught doing new company work on your current company's time. <laughs> Do you know, and, and that's, an, uh, that's a great comment because a lot of, um, it still surprises me how many years into my practice, how many employees actually expect that, that whatever resides on their work computers or work phones somehow is their property and that the employers do not have uh, legal access to that information should not have. That is not so. If it's a company property, it's basically company property. Whatever resides on on that device is company property. So uh, do not expect that you have some kind of default right to privacy. Uh, if it's, um, you know, if to, to that information that is actually ultimately sits in um, something that belongs to the company. But wishing you all the best with the new venture. Keep us posted. Um, Mark's, Mark is asking, uh, my wife is working for a private sector company in Dubai and has signed a limited contract. She's worked there for eight months. She isn't enjoying the job and wants to leave and look for a new position. We're aware that she will have to pay 45 days salary back to the company for leaving before the two years have been completed. But we've now found out the company will imp- implement a one-year employment ban on her with no way to lift it. Is there any way around it? There are several, in short, yes, and there are several comments I'd like to make. One is that there is a presumption of, or at least from the listener's message, there's a presumption that they will have to pay the 45-day compensation for terminating a limited contract uh, um, prematurely. And that um, that is a perception that many have, and that is from, in a limited contract, let's say here it's a, it's a two-year contract, the employee is terminating early, so there is a presumption that the employee will have to compensate the company for for 45 days. Now, the law, the way the law is drafted is that it's compensation. It's not a default penalty that the employee has to pay to the company, but rather the employee may have to pay that as compensation to the company. Now, whenever you have anything that's drafted as a way of compensation, then you have to understand that that compensation has to compensate the employer for something else. Mm-hmm. Now, who determines what the compensation should be? And so the law says it's up to 45 days and a way of compensation. Therefore, in fact, this is not a default penalty uh, that employer can impose on the employee, but rather it's it's a recourse that the court has to decide and the, uh, whether there there has been damage in, uh, that would um, have to be compensated by the employer to the company. And in that case, so one, it's a decision to the court, and two, the compensation has to be proportionate to, obviously, the damages the company would have suffered. So therefore, the company has to actually show that they have suffered damages. Now, as I say that, this is the technical interpretation of the law, and this is how the courts will always enforce it. Many 
many employers and many employees, however, do not know that or intentionally sort of wish Mm -hmm. to disregard it. And so therefore, this practice is quite common. But remember, legally speaking, you're not required to pay that. Now, the second part of that question is about the... Uh, the, ban. the ban. The ban is there's. I'm not quite sure from the question whether the the company threatened or has already imposed the ban because the ban is a lot less common today. And, and when and, I first moved here 12 years ago, right, everyone so based, was banging on about yeah, the ban. Yeah, so the bans. I mean, this is called an employment ban, uh, and it's she, not immigration. Uh, sorry, Mark says we've now found out that the company will implement a one year employment exactly. ban. Exactly. So the will is. Don't be so sure because it's a lot more difficult this day to impose a, a ban. Uh, and if uh, an employee is of a certain degree. So has certain degrees and certain profession, then the ban is no longer imposed. Now, let's say somehow the company, for whatever reason, uh, has imposed the ban. The ban is only, this is very important, the ban only applies uh, by, is only applicable to the Ministry of Labor. In other words, only Ministry of Labor has the authority to impose the ban. Therefore, you can go work somewhere where the Ministry of Labor does not have jurisdiction, which means free zones. So the Ministry of Labor regulates all companies that are outside of free zones across the UAE. So if you have a ban, you wouldn't be able to work in Abu Dhabi. How However, you could always work in the DFC and in, in healthcare city and DMCC and yeah. TCOM in any free zone because the yeah. Ministry of Labor uh, only exists outside of free zones. So yes, there's a way out. Just go to a free zone. See, Mark just needed to ask the right person. Navigating the legal minefield. Lydmilia Malavet joining us this afternoon, helping you out with all of your legal woes and concerns. She is, of course, the founder and managing partner of Yamalaga Pluka. She's got more years of experience than she cares to admit on the radio but is very well placed to help you clarify where you stand legally. Questions come in on 400 once your last chance to get your queries in on the SMS or you can use the Dubai Eye app. Um, saying my employment contract says I'm getting paid all inclusive with breakdown for leave salary as well. But my offer letter says I'm entitled for one month of annual leave. It doesn't say paid or unpaid. My employer is not giving me paid leave. Every time I take a day off, it gets deducted. Is there anything I can do? Well, there's two things. One is a discrepancy between the offer letter and the contract. And uh, generally, the courts will enforce any discrepancy between the contracts will enforce in favor of the employee. So therefore, if your offer letter said that's an additional uh, additional element of your compensation, that, that the courts would interpret that to be the governing term. That being said, if you, uh, if you have been accepting this modified salary for long enough, uh, then the courts would also hold it as, um, as acceptance of as it. Acceptance of your new uh, new contract terms, and therefore, if uh, you've been accepting it for at least six months or so, there is a legitimate argument that you've already accepted it, and it's been implicitly or implicitly modified. So then, you are bound by by the new terms. Hope that helps. Um, a question here from Sam saying, "How can I exit a business partnership that I entered with a friend in Dubai a few years ago? I'm a minority partner and no longer wish to be part of the company and potentially liable for anything that happens." I will tell you, just manage your expectations. The best way for you to do so is amicably with your partner. And that is just agree with the partner to exit because to uh, to exit a company here from a legal standpoint in terms of being removed from the license actually requires the approval of all the partners. And so if it's, let's say, just you and your partner, you would actually have to appear before the, uh, the relevant licensing authority and you'd have to sign off uh, to the new ownership structure. But without it, there's um, the, the, you know, without an agreement, 
agreement in place, the only way to do it is through the courts. And that's obviously very protracted and expensive. Uh, so um, so definitely look at the possibility of doing it amicably, even if that means that you have not been paid your investment. Because mm-hmm. if you worry about the liabilities that are being accrued to the business, then at least you, you're at least not. you're out. <laughs> right. At least you're out and not subject to the, the, the additional penalties, additional liabilities um, you know, in addition to your initial investment. Follow up from our message earlier about the leave being deducted. Thanks. We're going on for 15 months, but been fighting for it since the first deduction. Unfortunately, that may not help you. Um, it's um, just because 15 months is a long period of time. And so, the, 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 I mean, for a number of reasons. One is uh, in employment cases, there's such a limitation, which is 12 months or one year. And that is you cannot bring cases that are for, related to employment entitlements that are um, that are past 12 months. I mean, in this case, I guess, it sort of curbs your, your entitlement a little bit because it's been 15 months. But, but more importantly, the courts would look at it. Well, yes, you've been fighting, but you've still been working for them. So it was, it was that much. Of a of an issue, you should not have continued to work for them. So it's it's, it's challenging, but you know, but it depends, right? It depends. I mean, the only way to do it is, is to take it to court and see if you can convince the court that there was no other way for you to do it, but to continue to work. No name on this one saying, I have lost a case and it has reached enforcement stage. Is there any way to appeal through another lawyer as I feel no effort was put in by my lawyer? Uh, absolutely, you don't. You're, you're not bound to stay with the same lawyer. But as I say that, um, I, I caution you because often we've seen cases like this a lot where uh, a party would complain about the lawyer not doing the work or not making any effort. Uh, but in this case, it sounds like, in, in, fact, in fact, you won the case. And so if you won the case, so obviously the lawyers did do something. Uh, I think the... the uh, the issue here is the breakdown in communication because a lot of the times, so the local uh, advocacies, they do not have the practice of communicating perhaps as frequently in the same way as perhaps Western firms would and language being one of the one of the factors. And uh, because of that, there's this impression that the local, local advocates are not doing the work. But in fact, we've seen a number of these cases and, we, and you, if you examine the papers and if you ex- examine the work, the work has been done, which is obviously is manifested in this particular case. Uh, so that being said, so if you're unhappy with them, do feel free to hire someone else. But I would, um, I would caution you to do so at this stage because they've done a good job for you, and enforcement is the last bit. So if they if they've agreed to, and often they agree uh, on the fee that is inclusive enforcement, so it may even financially make sense for you to stay with them. Last question of the afternoon, saying I've decided not to renew my contract for my office, but was nine days late giving the ninety days notice. The building management says I have to renew and will not let me leave or remove anything from the office. I cannot even remove a box without authority, which they will not give. Is there anything that can be done? They won't accept the two-month penalty. I just want to get my stock and furniture out. Yeah, honestly, the only way at this point, if if this is, is, has come to halt like that, the only way forward is to file a case with RDC, the Rental Dispute um, Committee, and then have them uh, adjudicate this particular issue, and that is uh, whether you are required to renew the contract for the full duration, or will it just be a matter of compensation. In most cases, the the RDC will not will not force you to renew the contract for the entire duration, but rather set compensation for um, the premature uh, premature breach of contract. Um, but um, at this point, if if the, you know, if the, the management is not allowing you to do anything, that's your best recourse, unless you're you're able to. Uh, to, to come up with some sort of a compromise or somewhere in between, which obviously should be in the interest of both parties, but 
it's 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 more difficult at this stage. And apologies to the earlier message saying he actually he did lose the case. It's at the enforcement stage, but he lost the oh, case. And can he appeal, appeal through a different lawyer? Oh, appeal that I thought the enforcement. No, basically, if 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 you if you've lost all the cases, you have two appeals. You have court of you have appeal, and then you have court of cassation. And there's 30 days to appeal those decisions. So if that window has um, has lapsed, then no, you you cannot appeal the decision anymore. Ludmilla Malava, seriously, your brain, if next level. It's very kind, but I've <laughs> been here for long enough to have seen most of these cases, that's all. <laughs> thank, you thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, sharing all your insights and wisdom. This is Dubai Eye 103.8.